welcome to Letters to Our Yesterday, a podcast inspired by extraordinary women. I believe that one of the greatest strengths women have are each other. We often support, guide, encourage and inspire each other. Throughout this series, I'll be speaking to many incredible women about their life journey and together we will explore what advice they would give their younger self. an Australian author who lives in rural Victoria. Her debut novel, Wildflower Ridge, published by Allen and Unwin, was released in June and has been climbing the Australian fiction chart since. Maya began her career as a journalist, and we chat about her writing journey, as well as her other loves, baking and gardening. Maya's letter to her younger self is a heartfelt message about hope through the difficulty of facing mental health. Well, hi, Maya. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. I'm so excited to speak to you. It's lovely to be on, Karen. Thank you for having me. No worries. So can you tell me a little bit about um, your childhood growing up? Because I know you were really surrounded by books. It sounds like your parents were avid readers and your father was a journalist. So can you tell me a little bit about that um, upbringing? Yeah, sure. So we always had um, lots of books, lots of writing, lots of discussions about um, pronunciation of words and um, the way to go about having a conversation, even down to answering the phone. You know, my parents were just to read very regularly. So we didn't get too much TV time. It was along the lines of, if the sun's shining, go outside and play and find something to do. Um, and you can take a book if you want. And if it's raining, well, you you know, got a book, but you know, probably better if you're outside as well. <laughs> so we were really encouraged to go out exploring and we'd spend just days, you know, hunting for tadpoles and working out whether the scales that we could see under that bit of wood in the garden was a snake or whether it was a lizard. <laughs> so we were really getting into all sorts of mischief. Um, and we had, I had a horse for a little while and I was horse crazy. And so I'd read every single book that I could find about horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, after years of um, wearing my parents down, I finally got a horse for a while. But oh seemed, every girl's oh, dream. <laughs> oh, it was, and I was obsessed. I would read so many books on horses, but yeah. the reality was quite different because I worked out quite quickly that, you know, they require a lot of care, a lot of maintenance. So I swapped the horse for a motorbike. Uh, my parents were oh. very happy. <laughs> yeah, so we'd be just tearing around the paddock um, on how the motorbike. Old at, how old were you at that age? Uh, so I would have been about 10, I'd say. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, my dad was a photojournalist um, and his main specialty was motorcycle magazines. So um, we were always surrounded by motorbikes. He's got a shed full, um, always has, always will, apparently, of different (laughs) motorbikes. Um, Yeah, so it was a really lovely country childhood um, and we had a lot of freedom to do what we wanted. Books, I could read whatever book I wanted on the bookshelves and no one was going to say, that's too old for you or um, that's inappropriate. So I had a great um, wide breadth of reading from a young age. And did you, when you were young, did you know you wanted to create those stories or did you start making up stories in your mind or were you just happy to immerse yourself in other authors' worlds? Yeah, a bit of both. So I was definitely a keen writer and I'd come together, you know, put together these little stories. And when I was back at mum and dad's visiting um, 
a couple of months ago, we found the stash of stories that I'd written over the years in primary school. <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's awesome. So they were wonderful and I'd set up my own publishing company, uh, Maya Linnell Publishing, and um, these fantastic stories that the students in the class got to review them. And so there were some pretty scathing reviews there. <laughs> and then so once you finished school, you moved into journalism and I saw you spent some time in America. Yes, so I wasn't sure what I wanted to do directly out of high school and we had a friend who was a journalist at the local paper and she said, oh, you've just got to just apply. There's a cadetship coming up. Just apply for it. And I thought, no, I, I want to be gone. I don't want to be here, live my whole life in this small town. I want to go see the world. So off I headed overseas. Um, By yourself? by myself, I set off, um, my first stop was Darwin. I thought I'll just test the waters in the same country. And I set off on um, a bus all the way from Millicent, which is right down the bottom of South Australia, through the Red Centre up to Darwin. And I tell you what, I will never do a bus trip that long ever again. <laughs> was that days? It was days. So I was 18 and, you know, ready for adventure, but... <laughs> So I spent six months in Darwin and then decided I wanted to go overseas and went overseas as a nanny. Um, and the family that I worked for, the lady worked in sports marketing and she was a really good role model as well with um, writing and loving, having a real passion for her job. So I came home after the Twin Towers attack and realised that I'd wanted to be a writer because the articles that I'd sent home back to mum and dad had been turned into an article for the newspaper. And oh, it was just this amazing... So yeah. you're just writing home to share with your parents about your time and mm. what they submitted it for you? Yeah, so they said, this is really interesting. People are going to want to know what's happening because there's not too many people from Tantanula that are over in New York right now seeing this all unfold. Yeah. So that was turned into an article and I realised, you know what, that's definitely what I want to do. I really, really want to go home and chase that journalism dream. Um, and it was perfect timing because the little newspaper that had been our local paper when I was growing up in the same town that I went to high school, they had an opening for a cadetship and I was so excited to, to score that cadetship because, um, you know, it was a great foot in the door. Yeah, absolutely. And what was it about journalism that you enjoyed um, with the articles? Because it sounds like if you were writing about what was happening in the Twin Towers and sounds like people's stories, their emotions, was that the part that drew you into journalism? Yeah, I loved being able to, um, I guess, look at the different um, things that were happening in our community and try and put them together so that, you know, you, you didn't have to be at you know, that school to hear that presentation from that guest speaker, but you could pick up the newspaper and, and read all about it. So I loved pulling different strands of people's lives for the profile pieces. They were probably my, my big passion, getting to do the longer pieces. Um, and there's a lot of information that you can't even scratch the surface, but some of the stories that I was lucky enough to do, there was a chap that I'd known, um, he was one of my brother's friends, and he's um, technically blind, but... I didn't know many of the details of why, um, what happened with his eyes, the different processes that he had to go through to um, have them lasered off quite regularly to try and, so he can maintain this tiny bit of vision. But through my work as a journalist, you can ask those questions um, and share it with other people so that instead of going, oh, well, 
that's Darren and, and he can't see. And yeah, so I really liked being able to, yeah, dig into people's lives. Not not the door knocking, car crash type journalism. That was never it's my... Yeah. ...and who they are. And I was, I was going to ask you, do you think that that helped you become a writer? But I, yeah, I'm writing fiction, but I can tell already straight away, of course it would, because that's your character building and, and what you do is sharing people's stories with wider readers. So is that what drew you into writing because you love that aspect of journalism so much? You wanted to go further or? Yes, because there's not really that much scope to spend, um, you know, 5,000 words describing the scene and really setting the, the place. So you've got to try and be, I, I was given, you know, quite a lot of free reign with those 2,000, 3,000 word pieces. Um, but, you know, that was the extent. It was never going to get longer than that. Um, and I also, I loved the idea, I've always had such a vivid imagination, the idea of just putting these different characters into places and completely off the top of my head coming up with towns and the people that lived within them, that's a fantastic freedom. Yeah, let your imagination run wild kind of thing. Yeah. So tell me about how you went from, how did that um, step happen, going from journalism to having your first book out now? Congratulations again. Thank you. Ridge. I can't wait to read it. I've downloaded it on my Kindle and I'm very excited to read it. It sounds so good and it's had amazing reviews and it's doing so well on the charts and everything. So you must be over the moon. Thank you. Yes, it has. It's been a dream come true because, you know, from a young age, mum and dad had said to me, you'll write a book one day, Maya. And I said, that. yeah. Which How? is so that seed was planted in my mind from a young age. Yeah. Um, and I'd kind of you know, put that dream aside for many, many years because, you know, you've got to earn money and it's not until you, um, I guess, become an author that you realise the financial um, gain from being an author isn't the amazing million-dollar holidays that people probably imagine. <laughs> you've got to do it for the love of it. You do have to do it because you love writing. Um, and so maybe I had an inkling of that back, you know, when I was younger that that wasn't going to be um, something that would um, feed a family. So... I put my dream aside of writing a book and I dabbled in fiction writing when I was doing journalism because there was this contest for writers at the Youth Week back in 2005 and I was still young enough to fit into the youth category at that stage. Um, and I wrote this story. It was a fictional, it was a fiction writing contest, but I um, talked about a true story from when I was 12 and we shoveled cow poo to fundraise for an overseas holiday. <laughs> <laughs> her girlfriend and I, we had this roadside stall and we'd um, bag up the cow poo from her dairy and we'd sell it for $2 a bag and on a slow day when there was no customers, we'd run out into the middle of the highway and wave our arms to try and attract um, customers. <laughs> How much money did you make doing that? So we needed, I think it was um, $300 for the airfare ticket to get to New Zealand yeah. and back because we yeah. were still 12 considered children. So my dad went over there regularly for his um, motorcycle magazine work and my grandparents live in New Zealand, or they did at the time. Um, so we had somewhere to stay. We had dad to accompany us over there. We just needed to pay for our own tickets. So, that you know, at the age, <laughs> we were determined. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as country kids, that was the mm -hmm. one way that we could earn some money. Um, and so getting back to, um, I use that, story in the fiction writing competition and it, it won the national award which I was really thrilled with yeah. um, and then 
when my husband and I had almost finished building our house, um, there was that little bit of window where I thought, all right, I've got three children. They'll be at school and all of them will be at school in 18 months' time. We won't be, you know, making bricks and we won't be painting every piece of um, architrave, skirting board, ceiling timbers. I'll have, you know, I'll have to get back into work. And I decided that that's what I'd do. I'd try and write a book and see how it went. (laughs) And how long did it take you to write that first draft? So I decided to take some advice from Jane Harper, who I just love her books, and she's fantastic. Um, she talks she's about the way that she writes as well, with her structure. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. And she spoke about the fact that if you were going to, um, you know, become a doctor, you wouldn't just rock up on the operating theatre with no studying, no prior knowledge. So she had um, enrolled in an online writing course. And I'm not sure if hers was online or not. Mine was online because we live four hours from Melbourne and five hours from Adelaide. So I was never going to be going to an actual writing class. Yeah. Um, So I did the first draft course, took me 11 months. Mm -hmm. And then the second draft course, I streamlined it and did that um, in just over six months because I wanted to have a manuscript ready to pitch for the Romance Writers Conference in Sydney. Okay, and that's what you brought with you. And I was going to ask you about Romance Writers Australia. So that's a really big organisation for anyone who doesn't know about it. And it seems from what I've seen um, of what you've shared, they've been very supportive community to you um, leading up to publication and throughout your publication. How do you think that support has helped you in your writing journey? Oh, it's been fantastic. Um, I wasn't sure whether what I was writing was romance or whether it was Australian fiction or whether it was rural fiction or commercial fiction, but um, I met Victoria Perman, who um, is a very crucial member of the Romance Writers. She came to an author talk here at the Portland Library and she said, if you are writing anything with a slight romance thread, you need to be involved in the Romance Writers Australia because not only do they have these wonderful um, workshops that you can do that are, you know, a really reasonable price, um, they've got competitions that you can enter and you can get completely unbiased feedback on your work. Um, yeah. And there's a conference that they hold every year and you get to drink cocktails and you get to talk <laughs> about books and writing and you do lots of workshops throughout um, the conference weekend as well. It's a very um, supportive about being a professional author, about um, plotting, about networking. There's really good workshops that, you know, yeah. I was told. <laughs> Yeah, and so you pitched your your novel then at that first conference, is that right? Well, that was the plan, and um, I, I heard about the Red Dirt Week um, pitching session. There was a speed dating pitching session earlier in the year in March last year, and so I thought, well, you know what, I may as well get a couple of practices under my belt before the conference in August, and so I pitched to a publisher and to an agent there, um, and they both wanted my full manuscript, which was really wonderful. Um, and then I thought, I don't want to put all my eggs in my basket while I'm waiting for that information, you know, whether they're keen or whether they're not. I'll just have a look at who's taking pictures at the conference in August in Sydney. And I saw Annette Barlow was one of the people, uh, the publishers from Alan Unwin, who was taking pictures. So I nominated her as someone that I wanted to pitch to. And I thought, I'll just follow her on social media so that if I don't get the pitch appointment, perhaps I can chat to her, you know, over lunch or I can corner her 
um, at the copy store. <laughs> the nice way. <laughs> the nice way. <laughs> and um, she was wonderful in that she could see that I was writing, that I was a rural-based author, that I loved baking, that I loved um, gardening, which were things that she was so interested in, so it was a really good match. Um, and she said, I see you're writing rural fiction. Do you want to send me some of your manuscript? Oh, and so it was one of those really lucky, um, all the things fell into place beautifully and she loved it and um, offered me a contract. Oh, that's so good. That's one of the, I love hearing about moments like that because it's, you know, it's fate, I guess, because you're in the right place at the right time, but you've got to do that hard work first and be ready for it and you had your manuscript ready. That's right. And the romance writers had also, um, I'd done a branding workshop with um, a lady called Nikki Logan, and she mm -hmm. talked about the importance of online uh, presence and having an author platform. And mm -hmm. I'd also spent a lot of time as I was writing the manuscript, um, doing a lot of due diligence and research to find out, you know, how does one become an author? What are the different steps? Yeah, um, yeah because writing the book is just the first step, isn't it? Pub yeah. Publish the whole whole other side. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So I'd taken a lot of the different tips on board from the So You Want to Be a Writer podcast and the Talking Aussie Books podcast and um, it, there's little different bits of information that I'd gleaned from here and there and kind of put it all together. So I had this package of I've got a manuscript, I've got an author platform, I've got a, I had a blog or I still have a blog with Romance Writers Australia where I get to interview um, fabulous authors and pick their brains about the things that they like about writing and their different tips. So yeah, it was it was really came together beautifully. Perfect timing. So I'm just going to go off the topic of writing for a little bit now. So you mentioned some of your other hobbies that you have, which you share on social media as well. So gardening and cooking. And I was going to say because one of my goals this year. Um, is to be more in the present moment and enjoy each moment and really appreciate that rather than always looking forward. And I get the feeling from what I've read of you and, and seen of you that that is something that comes quite naturally to you. Do you think that hobbies like that and perhaps where you live and the environment you're surrounded, like you're surrounded by beautiful nature, does that help you to stay in that present moment? Or do you feel like you do stay in the present moment? Yeah, I think I'm probably as guilty as the next person of looking ahead and thinking, okay, well, next week we've got this, this, this and this on. Um, but I do I do love um, where we live. Like it's such a rural setting and we've got cows in the paddock and if you're having a crap day, you can just walk down that paddock, <laughs> pat the cows on the way to the beach and within 400 metres I'm from my chook house onto the sand and it's, it's a really good way I find of grounding myself. Um, but baking is the same. I do find that I can just immerse myself in the task at hand and not think about the millions of things that I could be thinking about. I can just focus on making sure I've got that butter melted and not exploding in the microwave, which that's still a pretty common occurrence. <laughs> and I'll have, you know, anytime I've got the oven going, I don't like to just do one thing. I like to have three different recipes on the go so you know I'll have that bench completely filled up and the island bench as well with ingredients and different mixes that need you know different amounts of attention so I do I find that doing the baking and then you know getting into the garden and ripping out so a couple of days ago I decided I'd divide up some of my plants ready for next um next autumn so I like kind of it it does make me think ahead, but I'm sitting there in the present moment. I've got worms coming out of big clumps in my hand and I'm marvelling at the 
the dog chasing the um, butterflies <laughs> and the bees and we've got yeah. the birds going crazy in the background. We've got beautiful magpies here. So, yeah, yeah I think it does focus you. Yeah, definitely. And because we just before we started recording, we were talking about how exciting it is with your book out, but you're saying it can be quite overwhelming as well. And it sounds like that's the perfect kind of tactic to keep yourself grounded, as you said, and enjoy it rather than, you know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by what's next and, you know, what do people think? Have you suffered from that with your book coming out, like wondering what people are thinking about and that fear that comes with it? Yeah, and in the lead up to the book being released, um, you know, you feel nervous because you've spent so long crafting this thing and you've trusted the fact that, you know, it's good enough to be on a bookshelf because the publisher's willing to put money towards making that happen. But yeah. it still is very nerve-wracking to, you know, as you know with your beautiful book, that people can make comment on it. They can say, well, that wasn't very good or you could have done better, I've read better than that. But what I've found is that people are, are really kind and generous yeah. and the letters that I've received at, at one stage I was getting three or four letters um, so either on messenger or text message or Instagram from people who'd finished reading the book and loved it or people who just started reading it because someone had recommended it to them and um, one of the really neat things is that the different subplots that you put in because you love them you find that they resonate so nicely with other people as well. Mm -hmm. um, Wildflower Ridge has a pretty strong baking subplot and I've had people say, um, even just yesterday I was speaking to a lady that I worked with and she said, look, I haven't cooked scones in five or ten years, but after reading Wildflower Ridge, I gave it <laughs> go. The kids couldn't believe it, my husband couldn't believe it, but, you know, they weren't particularly good, but I made yeah. scones because they're... You know, there's a, a key scene in the book where Penny, who's the main character, um, she's come from the city back to the country. And one of the things that reconnects her to her country roots is is the act of baking. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's magical, isn't it, that you're taking something that obviously that comes from your heart, that, you know, you were saying before that baking is something that grounds you and makes you feel better and you're sharing that through your character. How much of your characters are you, do you think? Do you put a lot of yourself in there? Yeah, I do. I, I put little pieces of myself in each of the sisters because Penny is one of four sisters mm -hmm. and um, we've got Penny, who's the um, main character in Wildflower Ridge, who's gone away from the country area. She's wanted to, you know, make her own start. She wants the bright lights of the city. So there's a fair bit of me in that. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Diana, who's the oldest sister, and she's the mother hen. She's got the four children. She's, you know sweeping people under a wing left, right and centre. Um, we've got Lara who is a abrasive character um, but what I gave her, I gave her running because after I had my third child and I really needed to get out of the house, I started running because I needed space. I needed yeah. just to be able to do something for me um, and so I gave her that trait and writing and I don't run anymore because my back is no good but um, yeah reliving some of my long beautiful runs through her that was a nice little luxury <laughs> and then the younger sister Angie she loves baking she's really bubbly and carefree and she's she's funny as well so yeah I, I do I can't help myself putting little subplots that I like and different pieces of me and the different characters absolutely and that's probably why it's resonating with so many people because you are writing um authentically you're writing what you know 
And well, I could chat to you all day about writing, but I'm going to um, finish up now and ask you my last question. So what would you write in a letter to yesterday? And what age, Maya, would you be writing to? What's that one piece of advice you'd give her? Um, I would definitely say keep writing and keep reading because um, after I had my first child, I was really ill um, with a serious postnatal illness. And one of the things that was taken from me is that I couldn't read because I was so unwell and um it's a topic that I don't speak about too often because it is, it's a pretty sensitive topic and not too many people talk openly about mental health. But um, I think now that we're talking about letters to my yesterday, it, I, I referenced it in this, this wonderful letter that I wrote to, um, to myself when I was probably about eight was about the age I was aiming it for. And I mm -hmm. talked about in there that, you know, you'll, you'll do this when you're younger and you'll always love books and you'll have these achievements but things will get really hard and you'll have a really dark time that um, will come completely out of the blue. Yeah. And the way that you will deal with it is that you will start reading voraciously again and those books will be your path to, you know, wellness. Yeah, so it kind of pulled you out of that darkness. Yeah, and so not many people have heard, it's called postpartum psychosis or <laughs> postnatal psychosis. And it's an illness that affects not many people, maybe one in a thousand new mums. Mm. And it's deemed as a psychiatric emergency when it happens because the person with completely no history of any problems before, like myself, um, mm. will just have a lack of sleep and all these hormones of a new baby. And all yeah. of a sudden things start to go really pear-shaped. Yeah. Oh, wow. So... Um, for us, we were moving house at the time. I'd, um, my son had come early. He was um, four weeks early, four and a half weeks early. Wow. So we had um, a lot of different things all going on at the same time. And then my mum was given a diagnosis um, that she, was, she, she might have had cancer. And so we had all this crazy bad news all at the same time. And my brain just said, I can't deal with this at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I was wildly unwell and had to seek some very serious help. But mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a topic that I want to talk about in my next, or in book three, actually, which I've just signed the contract for with Alan Unwin. Um, it's, a little, it's a little subplot that I just want to put in there because I feel like not many people talk about it. Most people don't even know that there's this illness that can just completely randomly um, strike out at women. But every year there are um, a few hundred people that have to deal with this and you know, I want people to make sure that they can talk about these issues. Absolutely. And just like we were saying before, when things resonate with people from books, by you writing about that in, in your next book, you don't know how many people that that's going to help because mental illness is such a lonely disease and people just think it's them, you know, that nobody else understands how it feels. So to read about it, I can imagine it would be very healing. Yes. Well. Um, and I read Sally Hepworth's The Family Next Door. I read that last year. And that was the first book that I picked up that had a slight subplot of um, postnatal psychosis in there. So that was really empowering to see people are talking about it more. And Marion Keyes, um, she's a fantastic campaigner for mm -hmm. mental health. And she talks about baking therapy, which is, I've referenced that in my book because that really, really struck me. Um, yeah. And even, 
you know, the singer Adele, she, she spoke recently about her best friend who had dealt with postnatal psychosis. A again, completely out of the blue, um, no ongoing problems thereafter, but at the time that it's happening, it's a massive shock to everyone involved, not just the person, the mum who's affected. Absolutely, and that awareness is important for everyone, not just the mum, but for her yeah. family, friends, and they have support them as well. Yeah. Well, I love hearing that books and writing is something that helped you through that dark time. That makes it even more special to read your work and to share your journey with you. That's so special. Oh, thank you, Karen. It's really nice to see, you know, such great support for, of the authors. It's really lovely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. No worries. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Letters to Our Yesterday. If you enjoyed this conversation and feel inspired to, please take a moment to rate and review or share it with someone you love. If you'd like to connect with me or find out more about this podcast and my book which shares the same name, please visit my website, karensepulveda.com. Thank you again and don't forget to subscribe to hear more conversations with extraordinary women. Thank you.